But I'm excited, man. I, I just love the presence of God. I love what we're talking about this year, and that's change. And when we say the word change, oftentimes it's terrifying. Most people hate change. Who in here actually likes change? Like, be honest. Like, genuinely, you like change. Who hates change? Be honest. It's okay. Some people are creatures of habit. I'm a creature of habit. I hate when things get in the, the way of what I have going on. But change is one of the most powerful things as we change into the image and the likeness of God. And I, I'm excited that this is the year to change forward. Can we say that together? In honor of pastor, this is the year. I kind of left you out. I didn't really tell you what direction we were going there. It was my fault. <laughs> but this is the year to change forward. And as pastor sent these notes, I started to think about it. And it's, it's pretty crazy because the house I grew up in, in Big Flats, was not always in that same location. And I didn't know that you could move an entire house until I was in like seventh grade when somebody told us that our house used to be where the Shimon Canal branch is in Big Flats right off that exit. I was like, wow, that's crazy. And they said, in fact, not only was it there, but it wasn't a house. It used to be a bar. And if you look out the back window, the large bay window, you can actually see where they dragged it through that field to this location. And this is like, I don't know, 50, 60 years later, you could still see the indentation through the field. And it was really wild. And I started to think about it, that it was crazy that while the house had began there, it ended up somewhere different. And that while the house began as a bar and it ended up as a home, but in order to ever move things, there had to be a fresh foundation to be poured upon. That way it could stand strong. They didn't just rip it, bring it down, and drop it on the, on the grass. Like, hey, good luck. I hope this thing holds up. That's not how they change things when moving a home. And just the same, I think as we move forward, as, as we change, as you change, getting on thin ice here, it's important to realize that we need to make sure we're building on the right foundation. That way our house doesn't come crumbling down. That you might have started one way, but as you remain in Christ, as you chase after Christ, as you build on the foundation of Christ, you can be completely different purposed in what you are becoming. And there's going to be some marks that are left along the way. There might be some things left behind. There might be some people left behind. But as you change forward, it's going to be for the best because it's the reflection of God. Amen? It reminded me of Matthew 7 where, where Jesus, he warned and he said, guys, don't be like the person that's built on sand. Be like the man that's built on the rock. Because when the storm comes, whoever builds on the sand will be wiped away. Their house will be destroyed but if you build on the rock, it doesn't matter what hurricane comes. It doesn't matter what thing attacks. It doesn't matter what comes after it. It will not be shaken, and it will not be moved. And I'm telling you what, 2020 and 2021, we saw some things shaken, right? Politics were shaken. The culture was shaken. The stock market this week was shaken. I don't know if you were watching that at all. It was wild. Who bought some GME and AMC, Nokia? 
Let me see some hands. Mozari's in the back. He's like, I jumped on. But look, some things have been shaken. Some people like it. Some people hate it. Some people planned for it. Some people were surprised by it. But I believe the real question is this, is when we change forward, will we choose to allow to, to be arrested by our past and remain where we are while everyone else goes forward as the kingdom goes forward? Or will we make a decision that I'm going to make some marks this year, I'm going to drag my foundation this year, and I'm going to set up on the foundation that will never be shaken, and his name is Jesus. Because here's the truth. What could have been shaken in 2020 did. Some things got shaken up, they got moved, they got messed with. But what has never changed from the beginning of the earth, from the foundation of time, from the very beginning, is that God is the same. The world will shift, the world will change, things will be a little bit different, but God remains the same throughout time. Before time, God was still the same. When he started time, it was the same. When he birthed the heavens and the earth by his voice, he was the same. When Adam and Eve were on the earth, he was the same. When Abraham was running around creating children, it was the same. When the children of Israel were wandering through the desert, he was the same. When Jesus was on the earth, God remained the same. After the crucifixion and the birth of the church, God remained the same. Man, even in history, during the dark ages, he remained the same. During the industrial revolution, he remained the same. And now in the technology birth, guess what? He's remaining the same. He has never changed who he is, how he operates, or what he wants to do in our life. The world shifts, but God never does. In Malachi chapter 3, is, is interesting. Chapter 3, verse 6, it says this. It says, I am the Lord. I do not change. And then he said this. He gave reason for why he doesn't change. He said, that is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. <laughs> Thank God for who he is and that he doesn't change. And that he loves us and his plan is redemption, not destruction. That his plan is, is to bring purpose and promise, not a pain train. That he still loves us, and that's why we still have breath, and why we're still here, and the same as the Israelites. Amen? Yes. Like even, even think about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look, he's not changing. Jesus was, was literally from the foundation of the earth, has always been there. And he's always been the same. When he was on the earth, he's always there and he's always been the same. He's the same today and he's the same tomorrow and he's the same all the way until the rest of the future. The kingdom of God is not shifting in the winds like other things are. See, God does not change. What he was reminding them in Malachi chapter 3 is simple as that God was reminding him he does not change and he is consistent. But God is consistent. And that's really good or really bad determined on our decisions. Yes. It's good if we're walking in obedience. It's bad if we're not. God was calling his people back to himself, but they had the choice to go back or the choice to remain the same. They had the choice to change into the culture of the world or the choice to change into the culture of the word. And the same choice 
remains for us today. Will I change to look more like Christ or will I change to look more like the world? What am I going to look like at the end of this thing? This is not a new call. This is the same call. The, the children of Israel, it was a massive cycle, right? It was, hey, we're really good under this leader. Next leader, it is an absolute train wreck. This leader's really good. Now this is absolutely, we're serving the wrong God. Oh, this seven-year-old King Josiah brings us back on pace. And then afterwards, it gets destroyed again. They were on this crazy roller coaster. But God, every single time, was calling them to repentance. And he was sending them a redeemer and a deliverer. See, now we don't need a new redeemer, a new deliverer, because Jesus is the redeemer. We have Jesus who's calling us forward, calling us to change, to be more like him. And, and this is so great because he does not change. The, the, the nature of God never changes. We were just singing that song, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi. You realize what's so cool about all those names is that they weren't just an idea of God. And it's not like it was a new thing of God. It was a new revelation once they had finally experienced that portion of God. Think about it. Abraham, before he was ever Jehovah Jireh, he was Jehovah. Abraham knew, Abraham knew who God was. But he gets on the mount uh, and he gets up there to sacrifice his son Isaac. And as he's about to sacrifice his son Isaac, God stops him and provides for him. It's not that God wasn't already a provider. It's that he had a new revelation and a new accolade of who God was. Think about Jehovah Nisi, my victory. It's not that he wasn't always the victory, but there was a new accolade. It was a new thing that they saw God do. He didn't change. It was just a new thing. Go through all of these things. Man, he is our, our peace. He's our Jehovah Shalom. This is old. This is not new. He's our healer, Jehovah Rapha. That has not changed. It's Jehovah Ra, our shepherd. That has not changed. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Come on. He's Jehovah Sidkenu, which is a weird, weird, not English word, but it means he's our righteousness. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's our victory. He has not changed. He's still, he is still our righteousness. He's still our peace. He's still our provider. He's still our redeemer. He's still our shepherd. He's still all of these things that he's always claimed to be. He has not changed. And in the midst of the craziness, we need to remind ourselves that God has not changed. He does not change. He is constant to what he declares himself to be. He's consistent to who he declares himself to be. He is faithful to who, to who he declares to be. He's predictable to who he declares to be. He's trustworthy to who he declares to be. What he said about himself is constant, consistent, faithful, predictable, and trustworthy. Now read through the scriptures and we can find why we don't see those things as not God but us. Think about Hebrews chapter 11. It is powerful. I believe it's verse 11. It says, And Sarah counted God faithful who had promised. Man, at first they didn't. That's why they did their own thing. But then they decided, well, this is a God that hasn't screwed up yet. Let's give him a chance. And when they did, 
they counted him faithful and he came through. Every time you read in the scripture about what God has promised and about his nature, that still remains today. It still remains today. He's not changed by what's happening in his creation. He is outside of his creation. He is not changed by it. Just the same as if I created a computer, I am not destroyed if my computer gets a virus and screws up. I am safe from whatever happens in, my, in that creation. God is safe from whatever happens inside of the creation. And some people have decided to blame the computer and, 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 and all these other things and say, well, the creator was messed up and this was wrong and this was wrong. But it's not true because God is outside of his creation. And when we operate how God has asked us to operate and taught us to operate and shown us in scripture and clearly laid it out in his word, there's a light into our path and a lamp into our feet, according to Psalm 119, verse 105. Then it will be how he designed it to be. Man, God's not moody or emotionally driven. Like, he's not in heaven and some angel, like, screws something up. And he decides, like, well, you know what? I had a bad day and I'm done dealing with everybody's stuff. Nobody's prayers get answered today. Well, that's not how God operates. He's not moody and emotional. Man, he's not like us. He's not like if the kids spilled their same glass of milk six times that morning, that the whole day is jacked up. He's not like that. He doesn't show up and be like, look, my kids spilled everything. Nobody talked to me for the first hour. That's so real. Pray for Sophia, guys. She spills everything. <laughs> you can pour a glass of milk like two minutes later. Boom. Oh. <laughs> like, I'm going to put her back in sippy cups at this point, and she's six. You can pick it up, clean it up, pour her more milk, and like another 30 seconds later, oh, my milk spilled. It's like, no, all right, we're done with this. You spilled your milk. Your milk didn't spill. And it's the same thing. The milk didn't spill. We spilled our milk. It's not that God messed up. It's not, it's not the universe. Can we stop blaming, quote, the universe? There's two, there's two gods. There's the devil, who's a little G, and he's a sucky God. And then there's God, big God, big G. There's not, oh, the universe gave me this. No, there's no, quote, the universe gave me this. There's a devil, and there's a God. One wins, one loses. There's no middle players. Look, God's not fickle. He's steadfast. He has stability. You know what's fickle? Mankind. God's faithful. Mankind changes all the time. And here's what I've found. Is the world provides this moving target, right? Think about it. When you were a child, or maybe you're a child in here, you've probably already seen some changes. The world says, well, this is cool. And then after about two years, once everybody realizes this is actually not that cool, it changes like, well, this is cool. And then the world changes like, well, that was all right. But this, this is really going to give you everything you needed. This is going to fulfill all of your needs and wants and desires. This is going to be it. And then like three years later, the target is all the way over here in a completely different thought process. The world changes its, its target all the time. It's a moving target. 
And here's the truth. You can't claim to be truth if you always have to change what your truth is. You can't claim to be truth if you provide a moving target. Truth doesn't move. Truth is constant. Truth is unchanging. Whatever is true doesn't have to get moved and updated and changed and transformed and all these other things. If it's true, it's true. If it's not, then it's not true and we can't trust it. That's one of the issues that we're seeing in the church as a whole is this progressive Christianity. Well, we can accept this now and we can do this now. And, and they're trying to change a target that has never been changed from the beginning of time, that has not been changed since the scriptures have been written. And they're trying to change these things. Of, well, you can do this. And all of your past, present, and future sins are already forgiven. It's fine. God doesn't care. That's not true. Find me one scripture that says your future sins are forgiven. Doesn't exist. I've checked, I've tried, I've looked. It's not there. You know what scripture does say? Every sin you repent of is forgiven. Scripture just didn't decide to change. We're like, you know what? Because culture says that this one sin is super acceptable, we'll update scripture. God doesn't need to change with time. The church doesn't need to update with time. No, no, that's not truth. That's not constant, and God is constant. He didn't make a mistake when he wrote an infallible word. God doesn't need an update. Well, to reach more people, we should... I would rather reach the amount of people we could with the truth than dupe people to a lie and they still go to hell. That would be ridiculous. That would be absurd. Well, no one's going to answer. Well, that's not true. We were made for relationship and holiness with God. People are like, well, I don't know. We need to do something about Christianity because it is not doing good right now. If you don't think it's doing good right now, then you don't know history. Quick history. It, it, the Second Great Awakening. Christianity was at such a low, dangerous, dead point that there are historians that said within 30 years, no one will even remember what Christianity was. It was so bad that in college campuses, they would, if you were like a Christian club, you would meet and write all of your notes in a secret coded language so people wouldn't know that there was a Christian club on campus and be able to track back to who it was. We aren't there in Christianity right now. We're doing a whole lot better. And God has not changed. God has not shifted. But what I do know as well is the world is not too far away to get back to an unchanging God. You don't change your stance to attract more people. You keep standing on what God has declared. Because we're not here to impress people. We're here to declare the truth of Jesus. And how they feel about you might change. How what they say about you will shift. But it doesn't matter because God's still on your side. Look at Acts, I believe it's Acts chapter 14. Peter, uh, or Paul shows up to a town, starts doing mighty miracles, and then the people of this town, you know what they start saying? They start worshiping him as a Greek god. He's like, no, 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 brothers, stand up. This is not, this is not it. I am not a god. And then like five verses later, the Jews from, uh, from Asia showed up to town, and the same people that were trying to worship him as a god dragged him out of town and threw stones at his head to kill him. Man, what they say about Christianity might change, but it doesn't change what we say about Christianity. 
We stand on truth, and that's unchanging because God is unchanging. Obviously, we do it in love. We're not throwing our own stones, but we still stand on truth. Amen? Man, God's kingdom is eternal. God is not changed by culture. He's not changed by natural law. He's only changed, and he only operates by the law of his kingdom. And we should be really happy that God is not naturally minded. Because he wouldn't be trusted with, with, like, just like we can't really trust a lot of men, we wouldn't be able to trust God. There'd be a different set of rules, like the stock market this week. There'd be a different set of rules with, with this person and with that action, with that thing. The Lord's Prayer would work for some and not for others. Healing would work for some and not for others. Faith would work for some and not for others. Salvation would work for some and not for others. Thank God that he's not like man. Numbers 23 verse 19 says it, that that God is not a man that he should lie. And I'm thankful that he's not like man because man is terrifying. I know how I am some mornings. I just wake up with a bad attitude and I don't even know why. It's probably sugar before bed or something. Still my wife's fault, feeding me sugar before bed. James, ushers, I'm just playing. I'm playing, playing. (laughs) Uh, look look God's moved and motivated by kingdom principles he doesn't have to change he put forth a perfect plan and when we try to update and change God's plan it still doesn't work like I could never show up to the bank and be like hey I want this amount of money and they're like well you don't have that in there oh no you don't understand I rewrote how things work and I can take as much as I want I don't ever have to give it back like, no, nobody, you can't just write whatever you want. You can't just rewrite your own rules and expect them to work. And that's the problem with a lot of progressive Christianity. That's a problem with a lot of people is they try to make God work on their own terms. But God has terms that he wrote out and he gets to determine them. You want to know why? He created all of it. Not only did he create it, but he died to redeem it. He has the final say in the direction that it goes. He wrote the terms, and the terms are easy. The terms benefit us. The terms are actually for us. They're not even really. It's so powerful how these terms are for us. They're not. They're they're in the favor of man. It's not like other things. The terms that God have written are in favor of us. How powerful is that? He didn't write him from this evil, crazy opportunity so he could just be this weird guy behind the sheet and no one could ever see or find. He wrote the terms and benefits in light of us being ahead. It's powerful. Man, God sent his son to die so that he would be the redeemer. There's one way to heaven. His name is Christ Jesus. There's one way to be saved, and that's by faith through grace. We're saved by grace through faith. God bridged the world of the natural and the supernatural by sending his son. So that when we live in faith, and Jesus showed us this example of faith. Man, John 15, verses 14 and 15 said, and you're my friends if you obey me. Servants don't know what their master is doing. So I don't speak to you as my servants. I speak to you as my friends as I've told you everything my father has told me. 
Man, you realize that Jesus operated in faith? He said, look, when you can operate in faith like I've operated in faith, when you can live how I've showed you how to live, then you can have the same thing. You're not some, some random servant. You're not just like somebody who has a little bit of the, the view. You're not somebody who has a, a, just a small idea and a small opportunity. We can literally understand and have everything that God has promised anybody according to the word. Because we're friends. This is powerful because he has not changed. See, we can access the unchanging God by faith. It's, it's simple. And to describe faith, I'm sure Pastor will talk about it more in the year. He's probably sitting watching the screen, but like, he already talked about personal change. Now he's talking about faith to change. He's probably mad at me. But look, faith, just quickly defined is easy. It's a conviction of a reality. Faith is a conviction of a reality that cannot yet be seen. When you have a conviction that God's promises are yours, even though you can't yet see them, nobody can steal it. Nobody can take it. Nobody can change it. That's called faith. And we access God's eternal, unchanging self and promises by faith. And we can have faith because he is unchanging. You want to know why we can even have faith in God? It's because he is unchanging himself. You couldn't have faith in God if he was always changing. You couldn't have faith in God if he was like the world and there was a new target every 20 years. You couldn't have faith in God if he always changed based upon culture and wind and political correctness and what is, what is, whatever is accepted today or tomorrow. But because he is unchanging in himself, we can be changed to be like him because we can have faith in what is unchanging. This is the, it's just powerful that God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the truth is, although God is unchanging, he is always moving. Although God is unchanging, he is still always moving. In the Old Testament, he led by a pillar of, of fire and by a cloud. He was not changing. Who he was is exactly who he had always been. His promises were still available. But he was moving them into a new place, into a promised land. So he could bless them. So he could keep them protected. So he could give them his full intention. See, this is what God is still doing. In the New Testament, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. Now in the New Testament, he's not leading by cloud and fire, which for some people, they think that that would be easier, but it's not true. Because now you're led by the Spirit of God. Living inside of you. And he can talk and speak and tell you, well, this is the move and this is what's next and this is where I want you to be and this is what I'm going to do next in your life and this is how to get there. Man, he's unchanging, but guess what? He's always moving. I've heard some people say, like, well, I, just, I miss the old days. I wish we could have worship like the old days. Well, he's moving. There's a different level, There's a different level of worship now. Well, I wish that we could just... Do, do what we used to do in the old days. Well, that's fine, but I thought that we didn't put 
new wine and old wineskins. I thought that although God didn't change, he might do a new thing. And his promises don't change. Who he is, his nature never changes. But how he does things certainly can change. Think about it now. Like, people, when television first came out, a lot of the church resisted using television to reach the world with the gospel. When social media came out, a lot of churches resisted going live on social media as a platform to share the gospel. Like, now TikTok is out. There's one account that I know of, one of my friends helped run. There's like over 2 billion views, and all of it is geared towards preaching Jesus to Gen Z. That's crazy. He's doing the same thing. He's still bringing salvation, but guess what? He's doing it in a new way. And we can't be so caught up on old things and old ways and miss out on what God is doing in a new way and even though he's unchanging. See, he might have, it might have been the same house that I lived in, but it wasn't a bar anymore, it was a house. And it wasn't all the way up there anymore, but it was built on a new foundation that's still supporting it pretty good. And you could see the marks of where it was dragged through. You could see what caused and, and determined and forced the change and where the change came from. But you realize that although it used to be that, now it's brand new. If we always look at the old days, we'll miss out on what God is doing right now. See, we should be thankful for what God had done, but start looking for what he wants to do in the future. Man, God has not stopped moving forward. He hasn't stopped desiring to have relationship with us. He's not stopped desiring to have us in heaven. He hasn't stopped desiring to heal. He hasn't stopped desiring to bless. He hasn't stopped desiring to, to make new. He hasn't stopped desiring to, to, to put and mend things together which were destroyed and broken. From the beginning of Genesis to literally the last chapter in Revelation, it's always moved forward with one entire goal, and that's redemption, restoration, relationship with God. That's the focus. He's unchanging, but we need to be changed to be more like him. And so many people have bought this idea of, well, I can have a little bit of God and a little bit of the world. Why can I have a little bit of this stale, not the stale, but this consistent target and a little bit of this moving target? But how does that work? What happens is eventually the moving target comes in front of the consistent target and you hit the wrong one or you start focusing on the wrong one and you get distracted and you, you start getting mad at God but you've been throwing at a, a moving target focus on a target that's all the way over here when God's never changed. Look, I'll never trust a moving target. It's foolishness. Trust what's always remained. God has always said the same thing. Come to me. I'll forgive your sins. I'll heal you. I'll set you apart. I'll live inside of you. I'll have relationship with you. I'll give you love. I'll give you joy. I'll give you peace. I'll restore marriage. I'll do all of these things. And then you got this other target. We're like, well, I'll give you joy. But joy looks different. At one time, it was a magazine. And... And then one time it, it turned to the website and then it turned to the Twitter. 
and then it turned to an app. That joy changed, didn't it? Because it wasn't real joy. Well, maybe it's a different person. Maybe I need a new wife. Maybe I need a new husband. Nope. We need to get God into what we have. We need to get what's unchanging as our real target. Not the constant change. Because the constant change will get you looking and looking and looking and looking, but never satisfied. I've really, like, often thought, like, man, and I've had some conversations about it, like, how, like, I personally don't know anybody, and not, not, I'm not picking on anybody either. I don't personally know anybody who woke up and was like, you know what, today I'm going to do meth. That's like a giant leap in someone's life. Like, you know that it's not going to be a good outcome. What I've seen, though, is a progression of, well, I really like this, but now this isn't enough. Oh, and I really like this. And then after a couple years, a couple weeks, couple months, oh, well, this isn't enough. See, they're still just seeking what we've already found. And that's a constant, and his name is Jesus. Uh, let's not just pick on meth, though. Like, what about the woman who had five husbands in, in Scripture, and Jesus pops up, and she, he's like, you're right, you're not married. You had five husbands. The one you're living with, you're not married to. Yeah. Same thing. She was seeking something. And then the constant one showed up to give her what she really could find. And his name is Jesus. And we gotta, we got to make a decision that this year I'm, I'm building on the foundation of, that never changes. I'm going to build on the rock. I'm not building on sand. I'm building on a rock. Can I tell you, money is always changing. It comes and it goes. Your friends, they come and they go. Your family, they come and they go. You know what never shifts, what never changes, his name is Jesus. And when we build on that rock, when we build on what is unchanging, then we are not going down, we're only going up. Another storm could hit, a recession could hit, the, the market could drop out tomorrow, but we're good because we're built on a rock and his name is Jesus Christ. And he hasn't changed in neither of his promises based upon what's happening in the rest of the world. And because he's unchanging, it allows me to have faith that God's got my best interests in line, that God's still full of these promises, that he's still got peace, he's still got joy, he's still got love, he's still redeeming, he's still leading, he's still healing, he's still blessing, he's still doing all of these things because God is outside of creation. He's not changing with creation. And that's the goal. The question is, are we moving forward with our unchanging God personally and as a church? Because God's ultimate will will be done. A couple of, like questions for yourself as we wrap up. What's in my life that I've built as a foundation, but really it's on sand? That's a good question. What did I think was a foundation, but really is sand? Because see, and here's... Here's an interesting thought is like Jesus is supposed to be our fortress, right? Amen. So some people would say, well, well, nothing. Let me ask you this. Have you found another fortress other than Jesus? Are your finances your fortress or is Jesus? Is, are your relationships your fortress or are Jesus? What, what's your fortress? That's one that we often overlook. We think that we're safe because of what we have, but we're only safe because we are in Jesus and he has us. And I don't think any of those things are wrong to have. It's just wrong when they have us. Yeah. I think they're actually good. I would prefer if you had invested in 
in GameStop and AMC? I hope you did. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see how that shakes out. <laughs> but here's the truth. Ready? Once you determine what might have been built on sand, here's the other thing. is like change leaves marks, and am I willing to leave the mark? You could still, to this day, go stand and look out that back window where the sink is and look all the way to the Shimon Canal and see those divots from the house getting dragged to a new foundation. And some people look at it as a bad thing, but I'd say it's a celebration. Because I'm not looking back and saying, oh, man, I missed that. That was so awesome. I'm looking back as a testimony that God brought me to an unchanging, unshifting, unmoving, cannot be destroyed, can't be beat down, can't be taken off track. I'm built on God, and he's unchanging. If I'm going to change this year, it's going to change to be built on God. It's going to change to be like the unchanging one. And then the third question is simple. It's, can you commit to an unchanging God? Today, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, some of you don't know Jesus. There's one way to heaven, only one, and his name is Jesus. I, I said it a little bit earlier that the world provides a moving target. Can I tell you? The world provides a lot of targets. You can't be saved from some rock you bought on Amazon. You can't be saved because you're astrological sign or whatever that foolishness is. It's just a star in a month. People are like, well, Christians are crazy. They believe that, that Jesus guy. You believe in a star, okay? There's one way to heaven, and his name is Christ Jesus. And he loves you. He loves you so much that he formed you in your mother's womb before you were ever even born with a plan and a purpose and an availability to have all of his promises. And he loves you so much, he realized that there was a separation called sin and that unless we repent of our sin, we can never be changed to be built on his foundation, the unchanging one. But if we can believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we can be saved. And that's the starting point. Not only can we be saved, but we can have his promises. We can have his future. We can have everything that God has available to us. We want to teach you how to do that. But the first thing you need to do is to make a commitment of your life to Christ, not only as your Savior, but as your Lord. Today, if you don't know Jesus, you say, I've been chasing things that are changing. I've been chasing what's changing, and I, I want to be built on God. I'm ready to have all of his promises. I'm ready for salvation. I'm ready for eternity, but I'm ready for here on this earth as well. We just wave your hand. What we're going to do, we want to pray with you. We want to give you a Bible. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you used to serve God with everything you have, and now you just have a lifestyle of sin. You say, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I want to get right with God. You go ahead and lift your hand and say, I'm ready to get right with God today. Come on. Three two, one. Amen. Amen. I see your hand in the back. Amen. Praise God. It's the best decision you could ever make in your life. I honestly believe it's the greatest miracle of salvation. Man, I'd, I'd rather have heaven than just my eye healed. I'll take both, but, but heaven's phenomenal. And my other question is really simple. 
Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19 says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And this year, I think God wants to do a new thing in your life. He hasn't changed, but he wants to do something new. Something brand new. And here's how you get it. It's really simple. Assess in your life what might be built on sand and remove it. And then go to God and just be like, God, just take personal time. Maybe, maybe with your spouse, take personal time. Say, God, this year I want what you have. I want what's new. Will you show me? Will you give me direction personally on what it is you want to replace from where it was removed? Really simple. Here's the crazy thing. He's going to start giving you new things. He's going to start to speak to you. He's going to give you fresh direction. Where you've been stale and stagnant, he's going to replace it with something powerful. Where you might have been stuck, he's going to overcome it. You feel like you've been going uphill, he's going to make it clear. You feel like you've been d stuck down in a valley, he's going to raise you up. You feel like there's just these, these gates and it was impossible to pass through. Guess what? He's going to rip open those gates and make it so you can walk right through. Because this year, he's still unchanging. And this year, today, he wants to do something brand new in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can we all stand to our feet? Didn't really think that through. Whatever. If you raise your hand for salvation or know that you need to give your life to Jesus... Mindy is in the front. She looks awesome today. Hey, yo. Brother Smallwood's telling me to move on. But if you know that you need salvation, she wants to pray with you, give you a Bible. Because look, this is not the finish line, was not just raising your hand, it's the start point. We want to run with you. Amen? Amen. So on the, when you're done, right here at the front, please make your way up here so we can pray with you and give you a Bible. Amen? Amen. We pray hands together for Jesus. A little better? All right. Pastor Roby's going to come and take the offering. Y'all can put your hands better together for Jesus. Come on, put your hands for Jesus. We thank God for the preaching of the word. Amen. So y'all could just remain standing. This won't take too long. As we come to the end of our service, I want to remind you of two things. Number one, if this is your first time here, or perhaps you have been coming to our church, but you've not been plugged in, we want to invite you to our connect room that's going to be on this side right after our church service. And number two, we want to ensure that you are involved in a group. Okay, who here is involved in a group? Awesome. You are living life with one another. If you have not joined a group, we will love to help you get connected. There is a group's desk right outside. You can go out there and get plugged in. In front um, of your seats, you will see either a tithe envelope or an envelope for your seed. And as you fill that out, I want to encourage you from the book of the uh, book of Proverbs, chapter 30, verse 5, that declares every word of the Lord proves true. Every word of the Lord proves true. And we have a declaration every single week that we say. And I'm excited to share with you that it is not just a cute word that we say that has some no hand motions to it. It is the word of the Lord and it proves true. You will be blessed wherever you go. Whatever your hands will touch, it will prosper. Wherever your feet will touch, God will give to you. You will lend 
and you will not borrow. You will be the head and not the tail. Every bit of your barn shall be filled to overflowing. You shall never lack a day in your life, and the only thing that you will know will be supernatural overflow. Say overflow. Say overflow. But as I was talking to Minister Pastor Mindy last week, as she gave her phenomenal offering message, she she said that there was a part that she really wanted to touch on, but she wasn't sure if she could. So I'm going to do that. I love Deuteronomy 28, but we oftentimes miss out on verse 1. For the Bible says, if you will listen to the word of the Lord, then all these blessings will then come on. See, it is a conditional promise. And when you look up that word, listen, within the Hebrew, it means to come together in an intelligent setting like this with the intention to obey. Which means that when you come and you worship, you are not just singing songs. You have a intention behind your worship. When you listen to Pastor Cody preach, you have an intention to listen to that word. So when you give today, I want you to give with an intention to not only obey, but to come and to receive every single thing that God has for you. Come on, church. Are you ready to give? Are you ready to give? Now remember, this is conditional on your obedience, and that's not me, that's the word. And we will not be the church that will say we're sorry for the word. Amen? Amen? I know this is strong, but it's the truth. If we obey, if we come with the intention to say, God, you said it, God, I believe it, every word you've spoken, it shall prove true. And then I can hold on to every promise. Amen? So are you ready? If you want to give via text to give, I believe we have that up here. If you have your tithe envelope, put it up in the air. I do text to give. I'm going to put my phone up in the air. So can I please repeat after me? Say, if I obey, then I'm blessed going in, and I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in my storehouse, and I'm blessed in my basket. The blessings have chased me down. They've tripped me up because I'm a child of God. I said I'm a child of God. Now shout I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for coming to our 9 a.m. service. On your way out, you can drop off your offering. One more time, if you're new to our church, on my left to your right, we have our connect room. You can also sign up for groups out in the foyer. We love you and we'll see you during the week.